Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. It's time for the Graham Capital Market Update, a daily look at Wall Street brought to you by Graham Capital, an estate planning and investment management firm right here in Florida. How hard is your money working for you? Let's find out with your hosts, David Graham and Stosh Graham. This is Dave Graham of Graham Capital, and you're listening to Graham Capital's Market Update. The show is brought to you from Graham Capital Advisors every day at 6 p.m. on WHNZ 1250 a.m. and 105.9 FM. We'll give you a market update of what is going on with the stock market and what major events could possibly affect your investments. And by the way, if you're a fan of Dave Ramsey, I want you to know that we're proud to be part of his Smart Investor Pro team, helping people do the right thing for the right reasons when it comes to their money. We're just as concerned about your life savings as you are, and we're proud to be true fiduciaries. Everyone in our offices has a professional designation, certified financial planners, certified as senior advisors, certified pl- is a state planner, a CPA. We cover it all. And if you want to get a good head start with your taxes this year, just go to our website and schedule an appointment. Don't put it off. Get it over with. We can help you with that. Get your taxes done. Just go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And if you feel that now is a good time to get a second opinion of where your money is going, you heard the cliche, the longer I'm with my broker, the broker I get. So come and see us. Always remember, if you lose it, then you have to remake it. And that takes time. Time that you're running out of as you get older. Like, like Dave Ramsey says, stop the bleeding immediately. With proper guidance, we can put you on the right path to have a successful, stress-free retirement. Three-legged stool, legal planning, and investing properly. And at Grab Capital Advisors, we do it all. One-stop retirement planning. Just go to our website and schedule an appointment. Again, that's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. As always, before we get started, let's all offer a huge heartfelt thanks to our police, firefighters, emergency personnel, our, our teachers, and what about all the men and women in the military services all around the world protected us. Where would we be without them? Thank God we have them. Let me ask you this. Do you know how much you're actually paying in fees? I want to get this in, but we don't talk about it as much as you should on the show. You know, we find out that most people that we meet, that they don't have any understanding of the fees that they're paying inside their portfolio, their retirement accounts, what have you. They simply have no idea what they're paying. And many are paying in excess, excessive fees for assets that are underperforming. Fees that affect everyone who's saving for retirement, regardless of how much money they have in their nest egg. Remember, retirement is about income. Income, I-N-C-O-M-E, income. Not about building up a great big nest egg and reaching the elusive magic number, all right? You're going to hear everything in the world when it comes to cliches about your nest egg. You know, we hope and we know we can help our clients 
take advantage of fee-efficient strategies while still generating safe and predictable income streams they could never, ever outlive. Did you know that you can establish your own personal pension by replacing your bonds that you might hold with something as simple as fixed indexed annuities while also deleting the fees on the bond portion of your portfolio? There's so many different things that you can do. That's why you need to see where where you stand, what your risk propensity is, and do you know what your expense ratio is? It's real simple to understand. You have management fees, kind of divide that by the total investment in the fund, and that's what your expense ratio is. And listen, schedule a free, no obligation consultation. Simply get in touch with us. We can help you build and navigate a financial plan that you're going to feel comfortable with. So when you leave our office, this giant retirement monkey will be taken off your back. Go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Coming up next is Stosh Graham, the Chief Investment Officer of Graham Capital Wealth Management on K Street in Washington, D.C. Now, he'll give us his take with the current events going on in the stock market today. Stosh manages and is pushing close to 10 figures of assets under management and insurance investments, and he is the only true professional fund manager that I know of that you're going to hear on the radio on the West Coast of Florida. He's responsible for all of Graham Capital Advisors, clients' monies. And if you'd like to meet him personally, just go to our website and schedule an appointment. That's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And Stosh, thanks for coming on. How are you? Stosh, the chip company, Navita, had reported stronger earnings that beat ex- est- estimates. You know, as such, the, the broader equity markets now moved higher. So how much longer can this go on now? This has been going on now for a while. When's this going to stop? What's going on with that? Yeah, you know, in, in particular to, to Nvidia, uh, I think when you when you look at their corporate earnings, their numbers, you know, beat both top and bottom line expectations. They issued pretty good guidance. I think some people were were taken aback by some of the verbiage that they used in their release, where they called it the tipping point, uh, quote unquote. And I think that got people a little bit concerned of, okay, wait a minute. So is this growth rate going to decelerate uh, in through the end of the year? But look, when you think about the overall weighting of the benchmarks of the Magnificent, especially a company like NVIDIA, uh, how NVIDIA does really can single-handedly move the broader markets. And you saw that uh, on Thursday, where basically NVIDIA and a handful of other companies uh, moved the market higher. Uh, by themselves. So look, concentration amongst stocks uh, is continuing to to grow. Obviously, that's not healthy, uh, but it still means the broader indexes in, move higher, even if concentration is at the 50-year highs. Well, you know, Kathy Wood, this analyst, she made a wild prediction about two years ago that the annual economic growth could accelerate to as much as 50% you know, thanks to breakthroughs in the world of artificial intelligence. And, you know, you look at all this AI frenzy now that's going through Wall Street, thanks to NVIDIA. Um, I guess the question is, it's going on and on and on now. Is she right in saying that this thing is going to be going on and and changing our future um, with all these different tech stocks? Are the other tech stocks in the industry going up along with it? No, no, they're not. And I think that's con- that's a concern. I mean, look, the top five stocks in the S&P 500 make up uh, more than 25% of the overall index. So now 
you're almost to a situation where it's not the Magnificent Seven anymore. It's it's uh, the, the the Great Five uh, and the rest of the 495 S&P 500 companies. I mean, you haven't seen concentration risk like this since the late 60s with the NIP right. And we knew we know how that ended up. Um, so again, and it wasn't great. So it, it's one of those dynamics, I think, that that is very tough. Obviously, again, and in the case of NVIDIA, they are a picks and shovels and axes type of play. When right. you think about, say, like in, if you're going to use the gold rush as, as an analogy. Um, and people are investing. Now we're entering a period where people want to see what the reaction is or what the benefit is to their investment. And we still need to ha- see that play out if these companies are going to continue to invest a lot of money within the artificial intelligence world. Well, it's it's good it's good to know that this is just not the whole industry in itself, I guess. But you know, because obviously it's really screwing up the markets in a way where people are getting a false reading on so much of this stuff. And on one hand, you see this sector going up, this one company really moving the whole market. But then we still have a six trillion dollar wall of cash that's holding firm, waiting to see what the Fed's going to do if they're going to delay cuts or not. So. You don't have any any idea. You don't think any of that money is going to be going into AI, do you? It's unlikely. Again, the reason why people hold that cash is not necessarily to invest in AI. It's it's for other reasons. It's to keep cash on the side for a variety of different things. Um, it could possibly be just to sit there to collect five percent, like you see in a money market account right now. And again, that's an interest rate you haven't seen in quite some time from a money market account. So again, I think that. And look, I. I there is a lot of thesis around the amount of cash that's sitting on the sidelines, but I, I think you have to pair that with the variety of sentiment index or the, the variety of readings for market participants. People are very bullish on the market. So if you're not in already in the market, you're probably not coming in now. Uh, and again, because you know it would make sense if there was a lot of cash on the sidelines and people were very fearful, sentiment was negative on markets, then it's like, hey, you know what? You start to see some good news. You're going to have people come in, but that's not the case. People are very bullish uh, and and very um, uh, comfortable with the broader stock market right now. So again, it's I, I think it's unlikely. And, and while those reports come out, uh, a lot of people are using the money market account um, uh, as an alternative to savings or checking accounts. Right. Well, I've seen several reports now where there are a lot of analysts that feel that the last quarter of this year, especially with the election, that there's going to be some kind of a minor correction or a really slowdown that will affect the markets. I mean, what's your take on that thinking? It's possible. I mean, you've seen it play out before in election years where, you know, everything is done by the incumbent to try to make things look good only for it once it to turn over, then everything falls off because you only can throw so much in the pan to keep everything looking good. Look, I mean, there are still pockets of issues. Uh, you, you are seeing a period of, uh, uh, a broader weakness and a lot of uh, consumer goods related entities. You have seen slowdowns in service related entities. So again, you know, we highlight this in the concentration risk of the broader markets, but your headline index numbers are just simply not consistent with the other broader indexes uh, in, in the broader sectors. It's right. just not seeing it. And look, even within the technology sector, there are periods of weakness. We just talked about Palo Alto Networks yesterday, one of the leaders in the cybersecurity world. You certainly think 
over the last decade, if there's a sector that has been a big beneficiary of people putting money or needing their service, it's cybersecurity. And Palo Alto Network CEO just yesterday in their earnings call was talking about how consumers were, quote, facing spending fatigue in cybersecurity. They know they need it, but they're getting they're they're hitting a wall in terms of how much they're willing to spend. They're getting tired, hence the word fatigue that he used uh, in his description to to uh, provide a reason why uh, Palo Alto Networks missed their both top and bottom line and produced pretty poor guidance for the rest of the year in terms of what people are going to be willing to spend for their cybersecurity services. Sure. Well, we saw a material drop in the initial jobless claims the week of February the 17th. And this is coming after a spat of layoff announcements in the in the labor market this tight. So what's, what's causing that? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, you're seeing discrepancy in numbers. And, and I think, you know, when you look at some of the state level data, you're noticing a growth in the breadth of, of, of how many people are being laid off. So I think it really, it adds more to the suspicion that really the the jobless claim numbers, the initial jobless claim numbers are just not really that indicative. They don't provide the level of information maybe they provided, say, 20 or 30 years ago. And I think there's a couple of reasons and then very logical reasons as to why that is. Uh, first and foremost, we have a gig economy, uh, much more so than ever before. I mean, you think about a quarter to 30% of the jobs in the country are gig jobs. Well, Outside of COVID, gig jobs don't qualify for unemployment benefits. And so, again, I think that's one of those reasons that, you know, you just don't, you don't have the labor market have this big portion of gig jobs. We've never seen those types of ratios before. So it makes sense. The initial jobless claims would be lower than expected. Um, But again, I I think you have, you mentioned a spate of, uh, you've seen some very large companies announce layoffs. Uh, there still takes some time for those layoffs to actually happen and for them to hit their initial reports. And look, for a lot of those companies, the severance packages that they provide disqualify people from from taking uh, initial jobless claims uh, or getting unemployment benefits. Sure. Well, you know, right now, when, when you look at everything that is going on, you know, stocks are expected to keep beating bonds well past the earnings season heading into the Fed's reserve March meeting. And do you agree with that statement that stocks are going to be continue beating bonds? Uh, it's possible. You know, you, you mentioned the Fed meeting, and I think that's important. Again, just the last 24 hours, we got the minutes from the the, the January or the January 30th, the 31st uh, you know, Federal Reserve meeting. Um, I mean, look, most of the conversation was delaying rate cuts. Uh, rate cuts are obviously a big benefit to financial markets. Um, and, but when you look at the minutes, you could definitely see that there's no hint of a rate hike on the table either. So again, you have they're in this holding pattern. Um, now, some people have made the argument, and I don't think this would be wrong, that the minutes from the January 30th, 31st meeting are backward looking because since then, we've gotten two separate inflation readings for the month of January that were extremely hot. And right. that could change the perception of the Federal Reserve. Now, I don't think it does, but it can. Uh, and I think when you look out for the rest of the year, again, the odds that we're going to get these multiple rate cuts that 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 people were expecting, that 
market participants were expecting as we crossed over to 2024. They just look less and less likely. Um, and so it's interesting to see the broader equity markets doing what they're doing, even though we know most companies are not doing well from a performance perspective, but the broader headline indices are doing well at a time when monetary policy is only getting tougher, uh, when lending markets and credit markets are getting tougher and debt is becoming more expensive. Right. Well, there's, again, so much going on now. When you look at the, the overall spectrum of investing for the average investor, obviously you have stocks, you have bonds, you have insurance instruments, you have real estate, different sectors, commodities like gold. Where would you recommend for someone to look to be safe and secure this time of the year if they're, let's say, 65 years old and they need to put their money somewhere? Where would that be? Well, it depends if they need income or not. I think that's certainly uh, one of the important questions. You, you figure they're sixty-five; you know, they're probably going to need some degree of supplemental income. Uh, you know, it depends if the assets are non-qualified or qualified. I think those are certainly important ramifications because, look, I mean, it, it's one of those dynamics. People want to keep more of their money, and right. for people who are in high net worth tax brackets, uh, you know, it's material for them if they could find different ways to find more, say, or invest in more tax-efficient investment vehicles, whether it's in pass-through entities, uh, whether it is uh, through uh, qualified dividend-paying investments, you know, dynamics like that. Sure. Yeah. We actually have one income investment that will pay an 8% return. We had clients coming in this morning on that. And, and if you're interested in income, come and see us. Just go to our website. It's grahamcapitaladvisors.com. And if you just turned on the radio, you're listening to Stash Graham. He's our chief investment officer, managing director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. You deserve the best. Come and see us. Stash, with, with this, right now, the stock market's running higher. Does this actually help the credit markets? Well, no. I mean, you know, I, I might have indirectly referenced it before, but it, it, it's not. Uh, debt for small businesses is only getting more expensive. Uh, by and large, debt for households is getting more expensive with the exception of the mortgage. And, and with mortgages, there is a supply-demand dynamic. Um, it is a tough space to be a borrower. We have seen several surveys from some of the large banks in the country, and they have guided that, look, delinquencies are up, we're having to continue to raise our standard of creditworthy borrowers, and we're pulling back on the available credit to our borrowers, even if they are creditworthy. They're having to right size their balance sheet. Banks are not out of the woods yet. Uh, even though we have invested in several community banks, banks are not out of the woods yet. And you are, and again, you have, over the last couple of weeks, seen headlines involving some of the larger uh, uh, or a, in particular, a large regional bank uh, that primarily does business in New York, in New York City. Right. Um, so look, you, the banks right now are still trying to navigate an impending credit crunch. You still have a ton of commercial real estate that needs to get revalued. And we're just entering that window uh, for that rewriting of, of uh, valuations lower. We're, that window is just starting now. When you look at the retail market now, I noticed where there's a lot going on where Walmart bought their TV 
uh, product that they sell, the Vazio. Uh, and, but then again, Macy's. Macy's has, what, nine consecutive quarters of losing monies? What, what's going on with department stores today? Right. So it depends on what type of department store you are. Um, you know, Walmart obviously speaks to a much larger crowd. Uh, they tend to focus on uh, people with incomes less than $100,000. And Macy's is gravitated towards that way too. But, you know, Walmart certainly offers a much wider breadth of product. You've noticed similar commentary from Dollar General, which is a company that we own. Uh, they have noticed that consumers they're continuing to buy um but they're changing what they're consuming and this is not a new dynamic this dynamic again has been around for like at least has been around for at least three quarters i think honestly you could probably say four quarters right but that consumption is still changing we did get poor retail sales data numbers just about a week ago for the month of december or excuse me for the month of january and i think that gave people a sense of pause that look even even consumer staple based companies, and you saw this with Kraft Heinz, whose stock was down materially after their quarterly earnings release uh, just seven to ten days ago. Um, businesses are trying to maintain and trying to keep up with the changes in the consumer, and some businesses can do that well, and some struggle to do it. If you're in a if you're in that middle ground where you're maybe not fully a luxury item, where you, the luxury item caters to the top 10% in there, we know they're doing great. Um, and if you're not, you know, that focus, uh, a, a retail that focuses maybe on the lower end of the income platform, uh, you're, you're in a tough spot because it's more than likely it's your household that you cater to that's having to go through the changes right now uh, in, in, uh, you know, just overall uh, household health uh, for, you know, a given family. Right. I noticed also in the airline sector, with all this nonsense going on with United Airlines now, their planes falling apart, what have you, uh, I often wonder who's going to be affected more by that, Boeing or the actual airline itself? Well, I mean, I think... (laughs) The airlines themselves are having to navigate a lot of different issues. Boeing has obviously been at probably the core of the issues the last few years. Uh, obviously, trustworthiness in planes is extremely important. But look, I, I think with what airline companies are having to deal with now, um, you know, jet fuel, while it's down from where it was a year ago, it's still at elevated prices. People's willingness to spend for luxury seats, those high profit margin seats, they're struggling to keep that up. Right. Uh, you have seen a deflationary move in the price of tickets for airlines. So demand is higher, or excuse me, demand is still high, but the price that airlines companies are able to get for that ticket is lower than where they were a year ago. So look, airlines companies themselves are still struggling uh, to maintain profitability, even if they were profitable, which a lot of them are still not. Right. Yeah, I noticed where American Airlines now is raising big fees. Uh, all of them are, I guess, the industry, it's like the tide, it goes in, goes out. Uh, for a domestic flight, for example, they're going to raise it from 30 to 35 bucks and $40 if you wait till you get to the airport. And this all adds up and, and ultimately it all comes back down to the consumer and only, only time will tell where we're going with all of this, to, to say the least. 
But my feeling is that, rather, let me ask you your feeling. Uh, when you see all of this going on now, as it's going on with, with the Wall Street, uh, NVIDIA having scary valuations, uh, it, what's going to be happening overseas with their markets when ours are as inconsistent as they are? Do you see anything internationally that could come back and affect us? Well, I mean, you're you're already starting to see a few uh, entities uh, or a few countries, I should say, that have um, that have been economically under material pressure. Uh, the situation in Germany, it's it's been pretty incredible to see how much their economy has really suffered uh, uh, among double digit inflation readings for the better part of the last eighteen months. I think you know a lot of people complain about what's happening uh, here in the United States with inflation, or even say it got the nine percent. But that's nothing compared to what a, what a, what the euro area has had to battle. Uh, obviously, and this is directly tied to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So, the GDP, the gross domestic product for Europe or the euro area, has continued to fall. Uh, some areas are in technical. Uh, uh, recession and obviously that is not good uh, because inflation is still at um, uh, high levels even though that rate is decelerating so Europe's in a very very tough spot uh, and again could that come over to the US? Sure it could it's not going to be much but it could if say you're an American conglomerate that relies on say a European based company that buys products from your company uh, right. that, that European or say German-based company might be less willing to buy certain goods from that American conglomerate. Sure. Well, again, when you're looking at everything that's going on, you often wonder. Well, let me one last question. When you look at the debt and the and, and capital now, is it easier to obtain money from banks now with all of this going on? If you're going to start trying to build a business or just simply get monies in general, how is that going to affect John, uh, Joe, Joe the plumber and Joe Sixpack? Well, you know, as, as we mentioned, I mean, it's it's still expensive. And it's getting more expensive in a lot of instances. Credit is still very hard to get, and that credit is is uh, if it is available to you, it's going to be in smaller denominations uh, than what you've been used to. And that's if you have a pre-existing relationship with the bank. That's that's generally been the consensus for a lot of the beige book surveys uh, for say the last two to three quarters. Right. Well, as always, we appreciate your sage advice, buddy. We'll be talking to you tomorrow. You take care now. Absolutely. Take care, David. Uh, you're listening to Stash Graham. He's the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington. He's also the only fund manager that you're going to actually hear on the radio, as far as I know, on the west coast of Florida. You deserve the best. If you feel you need a good second opinion on your investments, you're not going to find anyone more qualified than who you're just listening to. Go to our website, schedule an appointment, come and see Stash and talk to him, okay? You're going to be glad that you did. Go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Let me just finish this show with this. Why do you hire an advisor when you think about it? You know, there are plenty of folks out there that have never considered the fact that they should have a financial advisor. Others know that they probably need one but can't, don't necessarily articulate why. Let me give you three reasons why you need to work for an advisor. If you need this, see if this applies to you. You tend to be a procrastinator, and so you need to simply a kick in the butt. Get it started. 
Don't keep pushing it back. Another reason. You have no idea where to start when it comes to retirement planning. That's not what you do. What about you don't know what you don't know? Come on. Go to somebody that can give you some good guidance. That's at GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. We can help you. When you leave our office, this giant retirement monkey will be taken off your back, and you're going to be so glad you came to see us. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And with that, if you really want to be lucky in life, you know what you need to do? Go help someone. God's going to smile on you, and you're going to get to be incredibly lucky. I guarantee it. We're lucky to be Americans. It's right on our currency. In God we trust. Good luck. God bless. Take care of each other. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Graham Capital Market Update. For more information on any of today's topics, visit GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. This program is sponsored by Graham Capital Advisors, LLC, an independent estate planning and insurance agency. Investment advisory services are provided by Graham Capital Wealth Management, LLC, an independent registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Graham Capital Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. Individuals should consult a qualified professional for guidance before making any purchasing decisions.